Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live, where we talk about the everything to do with the electrical code, electrical industry, everything to do with electrical for both you, the electrician, as well as engineers and designers and anybody that wants to be involved in the electrical industry. That's what we're here about. And so today's podcast, we are going to talk about the importance of grounding and bonding. And I am also excited to let you know about a release of a book that I helped write uh, that's based on grounding and bonding. And I'm telling you, I think it is the definitive best book you can get when it, to, to have on your shelf when it comes to grounding and bonding. Uh, this book was uh, is published by Cengage. It is, uh, uh, the main author of this book is Phil Simmons, a great friend of mine, a wonderful guy. And I had the, uh, uh, the pleasure of being able to help author some chapters and edit uh, some things in, 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 in the development of this book for the 2020 National Electrical Code. And again, the, the unique thing about grounding and bonding is just while we might change things in the code, right, we might add certain stuff or, or, or things like that, the, the principles of grounding and bonding stay pretty solid. I mean, we, we understand the concepts of what we're doing while we're, when we're grounding and bonding and, and, and the relationship that's involved with it. Um, although, you know, I seem to answer an awful lot of questions uh, when it comes to grounding and bonding uh, that, that people will get uh, misunderstood. Uh, for example, some of the basic concepts of why we're bonding in the first place. Okay, so we're at the very beginning of 250, 250.4, uh, while we're doing it, while we're creating an effective ground fault current path so we can clear overcurrent devices and make it a, a safe electrical system. But uh, the problem is, you know, electricity just works. And even when you wire it up wrong, and, and again, we've seen tons of pictures online, Instagram, and anywhere else, when it's done incorrectly, uh, the grounding and bonding part of it, the system still works. The, the problem is, the thing about grounding and bonding, it's, it's one of those things that's like life insurance, if you will. Okay, we, we buy life insurance, right? We, we, we get all this in a hopes that we never have to use it. And when it comes time to use it, it needs to be right. So the problem is people will take shortcuts. I mean, if you're dealing with ungrounded conductors and you don't connect it right or you do something, it's an immediate effect, right? And you know it's wrong. When it comes to grounding and bonding, uh, it's not an immediate effect. Something might happen down the road, but it doesn't happen right away. So people just take it for granted and they move on until something happens and you need to rely on that safety system. Then there's, a, you know, that's when there's a problem. And it, usually then it's just a little, little too late. Um, so we're always designing systems for the what if moment and keeping it as safe as possible. And remembering that the the equipment grounding conductors and bonding components aren't the intentional path of current flow. They're the, the, the path that current will flow within an incident, uh, whether it's a ground fault condition or short circuit uh, that ultimately faults out to enclosures or whatever the, the, the impact of that path 
is designed. So that's why we have to size equipment grounding conductors properly. Okay, we, we have to know the overcurrent device. We have to know that in 250.122 so that we can size the equipment ground. Uh, when we run parallel raceways, we have to understand that it has to be full-sized raceway, uh, equipment ground in all raceways, um, unless your raceway qualifies. And so that's the importance of 250 because we can look, at, for example, in, in section 118 and see what actually qualifies as an equipment grounding conductor. And you have a, a long list of things that, that qualify as an equipment grounding conductor. Uh, so it's important to be familiar with the list. Now, we take for granted certain things like rigid, intermediate, EMT, electrical metallic tubing, which incidentally is not a conduit. It's a tubing. Uh, both, all three of those are raceways. Just kind of things to remember. Um, and so we have other different types of uh, you have, for example, even now in the industry, for years, we've had a, an MC cable, whereas normal MC, the armor, cannot be used as an equipment grounding conductor. However, you have products like Smart Ground, or some manufacturers call it MCAP, um, all these type of things where, because of some kind of change in the construction of that cable assembly, now the armor is being utilized as an equipment grounding conductor. Uh, and so we have all these these changes that you need to be aware of. And sometimes we just literally take them for granted. Uh, but I think it's one of the most important aspects of uh, the electrical code. I've always been a huge fan of Article 250 and the concepts behind it. And you kind of look at it and you look at 250 and you go, well, this is the unsung hero of the NEC because it sits there quietly, everything tied together, everything done the way it's supposed to be, waiting for that eventual event. Everything else is active, right? Everything, you know, neutrals are carrying current unless it's purely balanced, but it's usually never that way. So it's always carrying some current on that. The ungrounded conductors are carrying current um, based on the loads and everything's active, right? Breakers active, current traveling through and everything. But then you've got this little old equipment grounds or these little old bonding jumpers and it's just all just sitting there waiting to for their opportunity to work. And so it's so important that when they get their call, it's kind of like a backup quarterback, you know. I always have to be ready to come into the big game or, or, the, or the field goal kicker. You might not see any real good activity, but the moment it's time for you to step into the game and you blunder it, what do you, you look like the heel, right? So the equipment grand conductors, bonding jumpers, supply side bonding jumpers, uh, main bonding jumpers, uh, all of that type of stuff uh, is an element of waiting to get into the game. And it has to be done right. Now, if it's done improperly because of things like improper case to neutrals, so violating things like 250.24A5, where on a remote distribution panel, you accidentally connect the equipment grounding conductor bus to the neutral grounded conductor bus, now you have currents that have multiple paths. And of course, current's going to take, you heard the old saying that electricity takes the path of least resistance. Well, that is only partially true in a sense that it actually takes all paths, but it, the amount of current that's going to travel back because of loads is proportional on the impedance of that path that that current's taking. So, you know, and so one of those things that really come into mind is um, you don't want to increase the risk of, uh, of having current traveling on these paths that were unintended uh, paths. And so you don't want to create this condition. And so that's why we have a lot of issues with 
ranges and, and dryers that now require the separation, all those allowance in the code for the existing applications to remain as they are, um, now pretty much anywhere in the code downstream from a main panel uh, or out to appliances that might be a 240-volt appliance that does have a neutral load, Obviously, all those circuits require an equipment ground that you have to have that separation. That's, that's all inherent to the code now. Uh, but years ago, it wasn't, this, wasn't that way. And this example would be to detach structures. Now we're required to have four conductors, you know, on a single phase application. Four conductors go to a, a, separate, uh, a separate building. But under existing applications, um, and at 250.32, you, you could have an existing case where it wasn't that way in the, in the past. So you have a neutral that's also doing double duty as your bonding conductor out there as technically as an equipment grounding conductor. So to clear an overcurrent device that's at the main building that's feeding the separate building. So all of those things today we know is a, is a problematic condition. Uh, and we have a hard time dealing with the past. We have to keep moving forward. The code tries to make some types of changes to say, well, if it's existing, you can leave this, but moving forward, you do this. But grounding is, is um, if you kind of look at it, it's not an overly complicated thing. But people can make it overcomplicated. And it's the use of the various various tables. Like if I'm doing supply-side bonding jumpers or, or if I'm doing something uh, like the, the minimum size of a, of a grounded conductor and I need a baseline, of course, it's always going to also be based on a, a load calculation as well, whatever the load's going to be on that neutral. But we have minimum sizing requirements uh, and all those type of things um, that, you know, a supply-side bonding jumper sizing and, and all that. We're going to have to look at tables like 250.102C. And, of course, we have equipment bonding jumpers and things like that that we would look at at 250.102D. Uh, and then, of course, we have our good old, you know, grounding electroconductor sizing requirements that push us all the way back to 250.66. And the table that's associated, and, of course, all these electrodes that are given to us in 250.52, and we get the basic fundamental reason in 250.50 of why we're doing this, there's just so much in there that is important that people take for granted. And there's been so many changes to code making panel five when it comes to addressing the things in the National Electrical Code. Uh, the fact that, you know, we know we can't use the parts of metal buildings as an equipment grounded conductor. Uh, but depending on the application, we can use it as an extension to an electrode. Um, there's just so much depending on which cycle you're in. And it doesn't really matter whether you're in the, the 20... Uh, 14 or the 2017 or the 2020, um, the fundamentals of grounding and bonding stay the same. Uh, some of the things we change is based on people say, well, why do you change and why do you kind of go here and then go here? And this has been okay. Why is this now okay or not okay? It's because we're human and we're, we're constantly evolving. We're understanding. We get, we get better experts that come onto the committees. Uh, and, you know, again, you have to submit your public inputs. I mean, this is a this is a consensus thing where we all have to agree, and you submit public inputs. We submit public inputs uh, because, again, co-making panel members uh, can submit public inputs, and we can elaborate on public inputs that are submitted. Uh, and then, of course, there's public comments to those public inputs. It's an entire involved process that we all volunteer, uh, volunteer our time to be a part of. 
Uh, and there's other people that think that manufacturers get an unfair advantage in these committees. And, and I would disagree, although they can argue more passionately for what they want because they have a platform. Um, it, the submittals are really by people like you and me and that want to make change. But again, if we're going to make change, uh, we have to make sure that we substantiate why we want to change something because they're not, we're not just going to change something just because you think something's right or you think something doesn't sound right or something like that. It's not going to happen. So I'm excited about where ground, the grounding and bonding book that we have. And of course, I'll put a link down in the description to this newest publication. Uh, and it's just, it systematically explains grounding and bonding from the very infancy stage all the way up. And it, it even provides you things like a histories in the appendixes that of how did we get this ground thing? How, how did that come about? And all these kind of things that are all encompassed that you've often wondered, well, how did we get here? Why, how do we, why do we do this? That's all kind of stuff that's covered in that document. And it's, it's a great book. Um, I was pleased to be asked to help on it. I have no idea whether or not they will ask me to help on the 2023 edition. I hope they do, but I have no idea. So for anybody out there whose uh, publishers are looking for an author, I'm, you know, I'm available. I might be able to write something for you. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, it was a... It was a neat experience, and it's a really good book, and I encourage you to get a hold of it, especially it's one that you would keep on your shelf because it allows you to look. Uh, the only book that, that, that I can say out there that, that rivals it would be the Soars book, and the problem with the Soars book that's put out by IAEI is, excuse me, that's the International Association of Electrical Inspectors. Uh, the only thing about that book is it just jumps back and forth. It's not as logical to follow and you want to follow something that follows the, the, the natural pattern of Article 250. And the book that we have from Cengage literally follows the natural flow and addresses author comments, discussions, uh, things like that to kind of keep you flowing in the direction of understanding, you know, grounding and bonding. Okay. So that's, that's a unique uh, approach uh, because sometimes books kind of just jump all around, but not this one. This one is a logical flow just like it would be if you were cracking open the National Electrical Code, which incidentally is great to have when you're studying. Have the, the, the grounding and bonding book here, have your electrical code book here, uh, and you just follow through. Uh, the other unique thing about it is that you can have this book on the 2020, but it highlights some of the more critical changes in the 2020 code over the 2017 in the book itself. So any changes that are significant to the topic that we're discussing uh, it will have the 2020 language there, and it'll make it clear that this is a change from the 2017. So uh, it allows you to not have to wait until you're on the 2020. Uh, this is kind of getting you up to speed, so it covers those applications. So hopefully you, you'll find that interesting. Uh, lastly, uh, I will give a plug for our, our, our programs. Um, if you are wanting to learn more, uh, you're a commercial guy and you want to learn residential, and you want to, you know, kind of hurry up the process of getting understanding the fundamentals and the difference between commercial and residential. Uh, we have programs online that are very extensive on residential and commercial. We also have an industrial program on our website, mastertheNEC.com, M-A-S-T-E-R-T-H-E-N-E-C.com. And there'll be a description in the link. Um, so those programs 
are really key key towards teaching you the residential industry, uh, looking at root plans, all this kind of things. And there's one, the commercial, of course, there's industrial. Of course, we have a motor control as well. So if you're really trying to hone your skills in motor control, uh, we have our grounding and bonding series, which is based on these books, uh, which is really nice series and grounding and bonding and really a lot of interactive uh, quizzes and things like that. And then, of course, we have our most popular, and that would be our Fast Tracks. Fast Tracks is without a doubt, I can say this with 100% certainty, is the most extensive uh, exam prep and NEC-based knowledge program, bar none, uh, with, with over cumulatively with over 1,500 exam-style questions, competency review exams, section exams, content, audio, video, uh, interaction, uh, timed tests, uh, exam practice tests. Uh, they really allow you to study with a purpose. Uh, and also, be sure to visit us uh, every Wednesday night at about 7.30, we will do what's called Demo Night. And if there's any of our programs that you want to see, you want to demo, you want to see what it's like, uh, join us uh, on Wednesday evenings, uh, except if it's a special occasion or something and I can't do it, but usually every Wednesday night. And don't forget that we have Electrician Live, which is our industry-related electrical show every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, where we talk about the electrical industry. We have special guests. We could talk about exam prep, calculations, uh, uh, starting a business, developing an electrical contractor's website, how to do all these different things each week. And you can find out more about what episode's coming by going to electricianlive.com. So hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, little introduction. We're excited about the grounding and bonding and all the things that you learn about it. If you want more information on the book, there's a link in the bottom. If you want information on the course, the grounding and bonding course itself, that's also going to be a link in the bottom. And uh, we're excited about it, and hopefully you will too. So till next time, folks, stay safe, and God bless. Shut up and sit down.